The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Yes, folks, we are back again this week, despite the snafus of last week. Uh, I am your host, Roddy Cat. You can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can also find me on, on Instagram or at CB Caps. Yes, and that wonderful sound effect, as always, is being brought to you by our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! We're Brooklyn at! And if you're watching the video, and yes, this folk, hopefully the folks this week, there is going to be a video, um, you will see that we are rejoined by none other than, Lord, what in the world are you doing? Uh, oh, I was just going to do some dentistry. What's going on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, one PCN underscore dirt. Yes, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites therein, and also the vine replacement byte, B Y T E, under comic reviews, no vowels. It's really not. It's a terrible town. Don't, don't ever come here. I mean, but which one? Which one? Like the one where The Simpsons is, or the one where G.I. Joe is? <laughs> I, we're, we're more like the fake the fake town the Cobra set up in G.I. Joe in order to make everybody go crazy yes <laughs> oh oh shout out to um shout out to YouTube where um I see uh one of a home in mine what up Tito uh is in the chat uh, and yes folks we do record live every Thursday night 9.30 p.m. on uh the Click Nation's YouTube channel that's D-K-A-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. And actually, you could also go to... Well, you know what? I'll say all the rest of that for later. Let's just go ahead and get into the rest of this. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And yeah, like I said, we do we do record, huh? Video. Hi, mom. Anyway, um, we are. G- <laughs> You're so silly, you know. Um, we are actually have some new releases this week, folks. Believe it or not, this is one of those weeks where new books have actually come out and in a good clump where we can actually talk about them. Because, you know, we're still kind of in that moment where, you know, it's not happening that, that swiftly. 
Uh, but, you know, slowly but surely we're getting back out of that. Like, the new releases are coming more and more frequently, and we're getting back into a steady pace of stuff that is happening. And though... And also shout out to Matt Wayne 97 who's like, who says he uh, can't watch tonight, but he'll be here. Who's always here in spirit. We got to have him on again one of these days. Um, well, maybe, yeah, we'll ask him about uh, next week's thing. He'll be on for that if he wants to. Uh, but we'll talk about that in the show. So, folks, let us get into this week's books. Uh, starting off with Justice League number 47. So who wants to... Don't right, talk I mean, I'll once. start. I was about to say, I'll just start the, the with the broad overview. This is the uh, last uh, issue in what I think is a three or four story, four issue arc involving um, involving uh, recent recent happenings with Jim Corrigan, the host of the Spectre, and uh, how that has played into several um, you know parts of the DC universe, including uh, Themyscira and its. A link to Tartarus, which was uh, traditionally understood to be, um, uh, you know, where the Titans of old had been uh, imprisoned by the gods of Olympus after they were uh, overthrown by the gods of Olympus. So uh, that's essentially where we find ourselves over the course of the last several issues. And what happened uh, at the end of the last issue is apparently um, a being. And this is uh, mild spoilers because, uh, you know, it, it essentially opens up with this with this uh, character, a, a being that is essentially the spirit of Tartarus or or the, the embodiment of Tartarus uh, uh, emerges from, uh, you know, from this uh, from this uh, passage. And uh, it's taking on the entirety of the Justice League while Jim Corrigan is, uh, uh, I guess, wallowing. <laughs> <laughs> is the best way to put it. <laughs> you know, so that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of this issue. You guys can uh, uh, can chime in as, uh, you know, uh, as necessary. But essentially, this uh, this Tartarus is taking on the entirety of the, of the Justice League and the spirit of uh, vengeance that Jim Corrigan had essentially rejected uh, is running rampant across the world and is infecting... Uh, uh, you know, infecting pretty much every denizen, every uh, living being with the, I don't want to call it the spirit of vengeance because it's not exactly what I think of. I think of, you know, hellfire and brimstone and motorcycles, (laughs) but I'm a Marvel guy. So that's why. Well, but it's not, they, they kind of briefly discuss that it's not without a human tether. What comes out isn't really vengeance. It's more revenge. Gotcha. Uh, without that human tether to, you know, figure out how to judge. So, so yeah. So basically, everyone is just going nuts, and every small grievance they've held against anyone else is turning into a major fight. Including, and I will give them credit for this. Uh, they mentioned uh, in Liverpool the Finches, which <laughs> is Everton. Everton is the other team that's in Liverpool, and they mentioned the Hammers, which is West Ham. So they have the uh, the Everton fans versus uh, the West Ham fans, the Finches versus the Hammers, going at it in a bar. Which uh, would have happened anyway, regardless of any prodding by the spirit of vengeance, <laughs> let's be honest. So that was actually an actual reference. Yeah, yeah, there actually is a team called the Finches. Well, um, I mean, they're Everton, but everybody calls them the Finches. 
soccer hooligans. Excuse me, football hooligans. Understood. But anyway, but yeah, it's, it's almost basically like raw emotion just kind of took over everybody, or or raw hate, or guess I would, for lack of a better word, just kind of took over everybody because of this because of this unchecked, um, you know, human tether thing that happened. But I kind of expected the fight to go on, especially a fight that seemingly of this magnitude to kind of go on a little longer than this one issue. Because basically, what ends up happening is like, oh yeah, they, they, the 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 is doing this fight. Jim Corkins having this pretty much literal come to Jesus moment, I guess, um, and being just just kind of gets just. I we we assume he takes back the mantle of the sport expector. That's what all that thing at the end comes back. Uh, I mean, that happens, and then oh, everything's cool. The world's you know the world's all happy and nice, and everybody's getting along. That's because that's realistic, and you know, kumbaya. And that's it. We're in. We're there. We're done here. So this is pretty much basically a filler rock is what I'm telling you, folks. This this story, this whole this whole thing was it wasn't a didn't start out as a well I don't know I I can't say whether well, the bad, one thing but. the one thing I will say though is that it does do a good job especially like I read these I read I read forty five forty six forty seven all in a row uh, because I've been reading weird with the quarantine and and everything but. Uh, in this particular issue in 45, they do address a lot of the stuff that's been going on in the individual characters' books. Right. And so that does give you that that moment of being like, okay, well, Superman revealed his secret identity to the world. How does the rest of the league feel about that? And so it gave an opportunity you know, to bring up stuff like that in here. So at least they they worked some of that stuff into the story so it wasn't like a, just a complete – monster of the week you know beat him up and go home type thing but again uh to to kind of mirror what you were saying though i was surprised that it just ended like i'm so used to you know these stories that that every writer nowadays it seems like they're working on this 100 issue opus of an ongoing you know what and so it's it was surprising to get to the end and they were just like okay i'm glad we all worked that out nice to see you yes nice to see you nice to see you it's yep we're the justice league glad this is all okay everybody see you next week and off they went so that was that was kind of odd it just wrapped up nice and cleanly at the end i don't know i mean you know just to just to piggyback on that the idea before we move on there was some news uh, in last week's show that we shared about um, was it Joe Bennett, the artist on the Immortal Hulk, uh, reveal, letting it uh, letting the, the the cat out of the bag that Immortal Hulk is going to end with fifty issues, and uh, you know I was of the opinion that wow fifty issues is a really good run for. A, you know, for a, for a book that has main, have maintained essentially a core creative team of Al Ewing and Joe Bennett with, you know, fill-in artists and maybe like a fill-in writer here and there for like a crossover issue. But otherwise, that's a pretty good run. So um, who's the uh, who's the creator on this? Is it Ben Diddy? Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know how long he's been writing Justice League. I don't know if he has like a he big He took client. over for Snyder. Oh, okay. So he's been on it for a while then. Snyder's been off for a little while. I think it hasn't been that long. James Tenney in the fourth, I think, took over first. Oh, immediately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then Vendetti came in. 
all right, so who knows what kind of plans he has. Maybe he's uh, just starting to get his feet wet. I don't know. But, you know, all I, all, all I meant uh, when I brought that up is that I guess, you know, for as much as we want these kind of, uh, you know, less involved stories, part of us still wants, you know, that, like, epic run, as long as it's epic. You know, as long as it's something that's worth following, we're willing to stick through, you know, like, uh, like, uh, what's call it, Jason Aaron's Thor, you know, like, uh, through its ups and downs and character changes. I stuck through that whole thing and it was worth it for me, but not everyone's going to be able to do was like a nine year run on a book. So, yeah. And it's still not, I mean, it was, even if you jump in four issues, uh, you still get. I, th- I think the last issue felt mostly like a filler issue where it was basically just them fighting a bunch of angry Amazons, Amazonians, uh, just trying to get to that gateway to hell. So, right. I mean, it, it was an issue that was just pretty much like a bunch of uh, Amazon warriors going, we hate men. And there's this other man that came through and they go, yeah, we're trying to find that man. And then the specter you know, power comes over them, and then they're like, but we hate everybody, Spectre's right, and then they all just get into a giant fight, and then, at the, you know, the last page, they pop through and find Jim Corrigan, so you right. do, you still get that, you know, issue that, where you're, it's just like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, like, you don't really need the dialogue, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, and then you're done, so that, that still happens from time to time. I gotcha, I gotcha, all right, all right, well, you know, we're, it sounds like we're done with uh, Justice League number 47, so... Much uh, next. We are, um, I believe you, since I guess we're on the DC train, you guys have one in common. Uh, Batman, number yes. 93. It's mm-hmm. my only other DC book. So go for it. I This uh, uh, subverted my expectations. Okay, how so? <laughs> uh, I, you thought it was going to suck and it actually was halfway decent? Uh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Okay, because uh, that's, that's, I know that you're that's kind of like your attitude with the Tinian run so far on this. Um, well, not not so much like I won't say it sucks, especially compared to what it came out of. Huh. Um, but it has been fairly bland, I felt, mm-hmm. for a long time. You had a lot of a lot of his story had been like, hey, there's gears turning, and it's you're just waiting for the machine to get into place. Right. You know, um, and we're finally getting to the point now at the end of this issue, which, of course, we don't want to spoil. Uh, but you get to the end of this issue and like stuff has fallen into place now. And right. so it's like, where do you go from here in the next issue uh, type of situation? Um, but I, I didn't expect like I knew that they're putting banners on these books like road to Joker war Joker war is coming. And you read through these other books and there's ads in the middle of justice league that say Joker war is coming. And you know, you're reading Nightwing and on the top road to Joker war. So you know that there's this Joker war thing that's going to be coming. So, you know, Joker is somehow involved in the story that it's going to be, you know, a bigger deal. I just didn't expect how big of a deal Joker was going to be in this particular story. And I expected um, Punchline, this being her third appearance, I I didn't expect as much out of the character, I guess. I expected it to be just a lot more of here she is and bang, bang, and grabs the stuff and then she's gone and that's it, you know, because that's what they tend to do when they introduce these characters. They, they tend to just kind of drop them in there. They disappear for a while and then they come back as 
something, you know, like the big reveal for something else later on. Whereas in this, she really was the henchman or henchwoman, whatever right. the second in command, uh, the, the Riker, if you will, uh, to Joker. So, um, it, it was just, I, I, there was a lot more going on here than I expected. And, and, and I, I hate Harley Quinn. I really hate Harley Quinn. I don't really the animated care for version. I, every version of Harley Quinn, I don't care. <laughs> for. Um, and, and I don't really care about Catwoman. And so what happens to both of those characters in this book? I was fine. I was like, Hey, all right, that's cool. Um, even though it's not going to last obviously, but still, uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I got to the end of this issue. I mean, what what I haven't been reading this that closely. So at the end of the last issue, this this character with the white hooded, you know, like kind of a full face mask with a D on his face. The designer. The designer turns out, you know, and, and without spoiling too much, turns out that he's not behind everything. Despite the fact that, you know, you would think that this would be his designed um, uh, uh, action against Batman, it turns out he's not the one behind it all. He's not the one pulling the strings. And we won't spoil exactly uh, what happens at the end of this issue, but it seemed like everything that had been leading to this, especially from the Catwoman side, finally made sense after issue upon issue of not really understanding where that part was going. Right. Um, you know, and I didn't really, I'm not really all that keen on punchline. I think it's a pretty, at this point, just a flat character. Um, there's not much to this character at this point. So, I mean, you know, well, yeah, like, like I, I don't exactly understand what her gimmick is necessarily right. supposed to be. Um, other than like, she works at hot topic. It looks like, <laughs> um, but other than that, she at least seems a lot more intelligent and capable um, and a lot more involved than I guess I was expecting. Um, I was expecting, you know, because Harley was always really much more, and, and they even discuss it in here that Harley was always much more of a trying to change Joker and, and so not really going along with everything, but, you know, just kind of fell for him and, and, and whatever, uh, where she is, she is of sound mind, but also as twisted in her ways, um, you know? And so, so she's, there's room to develop a character there, even though we haven't really seen anything there. At least I can see where they can work something. They can, they can build from it, I guess, from what we have seen of her. Uh, but, but again, I don't know what the, what the, you know, every, everybody's got a costume, you know, everybody can't be kite man and condiment man. And I understand that, you know, not everybody gets to be as awesome as stilt man, but right. you know, at least everybody has some sort of like gimmick and her gimmick is, I don't know that she's an emo teen. I, I don't understand, right. but, but, uh, but anyway, but otherwise, like I said, the story had a lot more going on than what I was expecting. And I guess part of it is the story starts and Batman's kind of explaining he figured everything out. But then as it goes along, he kind of explains how even though that was the original idea, he, he's now realized that the plan has changed. Right. And he's explaining the change in the plan. And then you find out that there were more changes in the plan that he hadn't even figured out yet. And so again, like I said, it just 
puts everything in a place where you're like, I, I don't even know exactly where they're going to follow up with this going forward. And we've gotten some, you know, hints. Uh, you know, we've gotten some little tidbits of news here and there about certain things going on in the DC universe with certain characters. So we we kind of have an idea of of some basic things that are going to be happening. But as far as turn the page, you know, go to the next issue, where exactly is this story going to going to go from here? It's really tough to say. And and that that I enjoy. Good. I enjoy not you know not not knowing exactly, not having everything telegraphed out precisely. You know, three issues in advance. Right. I mean, I definitely appreciated the swerve, you know, the swerve in the story. And it made sense. And it made sense. That was the other thing. Right. Like the you can go, you can go, go to that swerve and, and it, it works. It wasn't completely out of left field. It wasn't, you know, uh, like it wasn't a completely illogical move just for the sake of swerving you. Like we've seen in some other things recently, this, this made sense once you think about it and you, you dig you know, an extra layer deeper. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I agree with you in that regard. I just felt like I, you know, maybe we're just getting old. I was just like, again, really? You know what I mean? You know, like, uh, I was just like, oh, okay. So it's a slightly different take on whatever plot might be being hatched. But again, it's this character. But, you know, we'll see where uh, where this is going because this is actually, I think, a, a relatively novel concept in in the long history between these characters, between this character and Batman. So yeah, oh. it's interesting. It was good. I enjoyed oh. it. All righty. Sounds good. Okay. What's next? Uh, well, let's see. Let's, let's pull up uh, one more book here and then I guess we can go to rapid fire. So immortal Hulk, it is. Um, so I kind of skimmed it, so I'm letting uh, Age of 70 kind of take the bulk of this one. But basically, this is a leader-focused issue. Um, right. I, don't, I don't know if you're if you're keeping up with this. Uh, I know you said you were kept trying to catch up, uh, Dirt. Right, so I don't know if you have or not. No, no. I mean, I'm... I, you're that far behind? I, I think the last one I read was like 18. Oof. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. I I'd thought about getting back to this, you know, eventually during the quarantine and everything, but I picked up just so much other stuff and it, it right. just it's it just fell to the back burner. It's like I I enjoyed the book, but I was more interested in some of the other stuff that was going on. I think once this is done, you will benefit from being able to read it all in one sitting. You know, either in a collective format or just because all the issues are out and we have all our uh, all of our uh, review copies available for you to read but in 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 very broad strokes um this issue as as Cat mentioned is uh sam stern centric very uh leader centric because he has uh uh been revealed at least as part of um this overarching plot by the uh uh the entity what is it the entity below um i forget i i forget uh uh, but um, they're called. You know, yeah, that sounds right. You know, and uh, you know, essentially, what we get here is uh, uh, an issue that helped us catch up with Sam Stearns because we really haven't seen that much of him. I believe the last time we saw him was during the Weapon H book. 
I believe he was part of that, if I'm not mistaken. But that was definitely, you know, sometime last year, um, maybe even in 2018, the Weapon H book that came out. Uh, you know, I believe the leader was a part of that. So it's been a while since we've seen him come back, uh, you know, to the forefront. Uh, we find out that one of the aspects of gamma radiation that Al Ewing has explored throughout this book, the series, applies to Sam Stearns as well. And, uh, you know, we kind of see, you know, the many deaths, the many, uh, the many depowerings of Sam Stern that have gone on over the years and how uh, the character has made his way back um, and kept a, a running log of everything that's happened, uh, be it through his own uh, special leader technology or through a classic typewriter. And essentially, you know, without getting into too much of what happens at the end, we find that uh, the leader has inserted himself into the story uh, involving... Um, Involving the entity down on the, the 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 entity underneath it all, you know he who was underneath it all. I think I, I think is what it is. So uh, he's not part of the initial uh, uh, storyline. He inserts himself part way through and, and and makes himself part of it. So it's an interesting twist. It's an interesting. Um, I hate to use the word again, but it's an interesting swerve for the character and for the story. It, it, it kind of is and it isn't, though. Because if you think about the leader in, in the past, like, he has thought of himself as a bigger-than-life character in, in uh, historically. And this, and even in the outset of this, is not outside the realm of possibilities for, for something he would be thinking himself as, you know? So, this is kind of more... Like, yeah, in... in, in in the course of the story, definitely, like, there are some things that's like, huh, this is, like you said, it's quite interesting and a bit of a swerve, but, like, the the where he gets to at the end of this is, doesn't feel like it's that outside of the realm of possibilities for what he would think, you know, to be... Oh, I mean, this. that's why he fits right in. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because of the supernatural element to the story, I think that's really what I was getting at. There was, you know, there's been such a supernatural element to the story since the beginning, and to see... Uh, the leader kind of insert himself into the story um, from from uh, you know from the scientific you know from his scientific you know background and his perspective and how um, the aspect that they're exploring in in the immortal books about uh, the effects of gamma radiation on these uh, on these humans um, you know it's kind of interesting to see him you know be inserted into the story at this point and knowing that there's what 16 issues left right um you know we we know i'm still i'm still eager to see how this plays out and what role he has to play right like and i feel like we've said and even in the past of, on this book it's like you know it, the leader has to show up at some point and now he's and finally finally has uh, come through and i'm thinking i don't know who else would be left outside of i know I think, uh, I mean, that either hasn't been mentioned or hasn't shown up in some kind of, you know, proper way in the course of the story. And like you said, you know, we don't have that much left. So I'm kind of curious as well about how that's going to play out and if anybody else is going to get introduced or, or, you know, have some kind of significance to this. Because pretty much most of the uh, major players has kind of been done with the exception of 
like you know she hulk maybe has, has shown up like for a couple of issues with the avengers but outside of that nothing any more prominent right what i was joking about in my notes is that you know uh reading this issue makes me reconsider grabbing the new Marvel Legends figure of the leader that was just released with the uh, uh, Gamerverse wave. It's not the latest wave, but it's probably the one that's the most recent on the shelves. And I kept thinking about you know whether or not I really wanted him, and then I, I was uh, Googling uh, the top, let's say like the top 10, top 15 Hulk villains, and there's really not, you know, he's actually got one of the shallower um uh, villain, uh, you know, uh, rogues gallery. You know, there's really not as, you know, he doesn't have that deep of uh, a rogues gallery roster. And apparently we're having communications issues. No, that's all good. That's good. Don't worry about it. Oh. I, okay. So just, I, I, I cra- the Skype crashed on me. So if you were watching the video feed, you just saw the still image of me sitting there just staring off into space for like 30 seconds. Yeah. That's because that was the last frame of the video <laughs> it was holding yeah. on to. So I, and so I had to relaunch Skype and jump back in. And I was trying very subtly to just be like, hey, it crashed. And now I'm back. And instead it pops up with that blink and makes a loud noise. And everybody <laughs> stops talking and starts looking at the little chat window. Yeah, and happened? so it just kind of Live recording, so hey. live recordings. That's all good right. I, I will not so, but, be editing that out that's funny <laughs> so anyway just to wrap up the conversation on this or at least in, in terms of my urge to get a marvel legends figure because you know i'm like always trying to take curb much. that urge yeah right you know always trying to curb that urge uh you know um check the completionist uh 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 what you call tendency right but um but yeah no the, the hulk really doesn't have that deep uh, a, a rogues gallery roster. I mean, you know, we've already seen the abomination in some form. You know, we've already seen, um, you know, now we've seen the leader. Uh, you know, we haven't, we have already seen Zach's. Um, or the UFOs. Yeah. Wait, have we seen the UFOs? No, already? I said we haven't. No, I don't think we have. Right. right. So the UFOs is, uh, is one group. Um, Tyrannus, like that underground dude. Um, uh, you know, he might be one, but there's really not that deep a roster. And I kept thinking, well, you know, if I ever wanted to do like a little diorama of the Hulk versus somebody, it would most often be like the Hulk versus some heroes because, you know, he just doesn't have that deep uh, a roster of villains unless I'm, I'm willing to shell out some dough for an abomination builder figure. That's about it. Is there a bomb figure? Because you could do the, uh, the, the, the animated version, like the, the, the Agents of Smash. That's true. I mean, I mean, the, in the previous iteration of Marvel Legends, they they did, but uh, under Toy Biz, but not under Hasbro. Hmm. You know, I just have to be patient. But uh, but like I said, uh, you know, other than maybe dishing out some uh, some dough to get a completed, or the rest of the parts that I need for the Abomination build a figure, um, uh, there's not going to be uh, anyone to have him go up against. Although I'm definitely tempted to you know, now that I'm doing um, scenes from comic books, I'm like, oh. You know, there's one of my old favorite comics from when I was a kid uh, was uh, Hulk 300, where it's essentially like mindless Hulk against the entirety of New York City. And like, the, you know, like uh, that's a it's a great issue. You guys should uh, go back and read. It. It's actually pretty cool. Shout out to Marvel Legends. I mean, it's Marvel Unlimited, which is not a sponsor, but just saying it's a good exactly. service. 
exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. So, uh, so yeah. Um, I guess unless anybody got a, else got a book they want to really throw about and, and talk about, we can go ahead to rapid fire. You good. Nobody. Okay. Cool. Good. Spin it. I'll spin it up. Uh, and I guess I'll go and get mine out of the way real quick because I've only got a couple. Um, I know Dirt's read this one, so feel free to chime in. Transformers versus Terminator number two. Um, so yeah, we're it's the year 1984, and you know, you know, I'm not going to continue doing that voice because I have been watching a good bit of Transformers G1 uh, fairly lately. Um, but. So yeah, this takes place back in 1984 when, at the beginning, basically, of the animated series, or I guess the comic books of the same, like, whatever. But basically, the Terminator has come back in time to kill all the Cybertronians because that is his mission. And in this this issue, we find out what the whole of that uh, mission was, but not without, you know, Megatron waking up first and, you know, making his proclamations and wanting to destroy the, you know, the Autobots before they wake up, but then the Terminator just happens to come in and put a kink in the plan and su- is surprisingly effective against these giant, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the three or four, you know, giant Transformers that happen to be awake and are going against them until, of course, Soundwave, being the only, you know, competent person in the group, is the one that stops them briefly. You know, but outside of that, it was like, okay, yeah, so they, that happens, and lo and behold, Sarah kind of, you know, has a stake in turning the tide, weirdly enough, of, of, of the situation in a couple of different respects, uh, and even brokers a, a truce between the Terminator and the Autobots to go after the, um, you know, to, to go after the Decepticons. But outside of that, it was, a, it was a fairly decent issue, you know, of, of what it, it's going to be. It seemed like when the Terminator was recapping the history of what happened to lead to him coming back in time to stop everything, it seemed like what had happened was the Decepticons woke up, destroyed the Autobots, then started to take over the Earth. Right. That's and what it seemed like. by the Terminator being there, he has now changed time because Sarah Connor accidentally wakes up the Autobots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- just that involvement uh, in the whole thing has changed whatever the future was going to be. So mm-hmm. now the question is, is there any fate other than what they make themselves or whatever that line was from Terminator 2? Um, it, it, like, it's okay, but it's it's the Terminator is way too talky. Like, he... Yeah just chats like way too much for being a Terminator like the whole point of the Terminator was it was Arnold Schwarzenegger who didn't speak very good English so they had him speak three or four words at a time and that was it like that was the point mm-hmm. uh, and this I this guy's files yeah this this guy's just chit-chatting away and, I mean and he's th- telling stories and, right I feel like that's probably more in service obviously that is more in service of trying to make him a part of the book as a character as opposed to just being there, you know, in his normal thing. So, yeah, it kind of... It doesn't seem right, quote-unquote, if you think about how the movies go in, in, in that respect. But, you know, it, it is a different medium where they had to kind of... They felt that they had to kind of do something along those lines to make him more talky. It is kind of yeah. weird, though. I did like the artwork, though. I, I do like... Uh... 
who is the artist on this? Oh, yeah, I forgot to look myself. Barber? No, Barber exactly. is the one. John Barber is the part, of, uh, the co-writer. Waltz Milney, who is this? All right, now I gotta. Now nah, you're making me look. And the bit, bit. Oh, art by Alex Milney. Okay. okay, there you go. There you go. Mystery solved. Yay. Good job, Gumshoes. Um, and, and so, like, he, he draws the Transformers really well, which, you know, a lot of time, a lot of artists can't um, a lot of times. And then he also draws the, the people really well. And I'd say Sarah Connor doesn't exactly look like Linda Hamilton, but he gets the uh, the Terminator down pretty well. Yeah. Um, and, it's a close and, you know, all the well, and as I say, all the artwork is easy to follow. Like, mm-hmm. at no point. Usually when you have these things and there are these battles going on and you've got things that are four stories tall and normal-sized humans shooting at each other, it's kind of hard to follow the action. Uh, but he does a pretty good job of, you know, keeping everything together and making it easy to follow. And, you know, she accidentally bumps into the machine that activates Optimus Prime, and, and it, it like, it makes sense. The way he draws everything just... At no point are you sitting there going, wait, where did this guy come from? Why did this just happen? Why did that just blow up? You know, like everything flowed and made sense with the artwork. So um, that was one thing that I noticed when reading it. Like, wow, he's actually a really good storyteller. Huh. Mm. Have either of you guys read the previous issue? Is it the same artist? Yeah, I believe it's. I believe it is. I don't remember. I read the previous book, but I, I don't, like, again, I don't remember offhand, but, uh, but I, I, I think to, it was. I was about to say, this is really sharp. I'm very impressed. Yeah, even with the like the, the the current Transformers book, like this is even more sharper than that. Um, so I I'm, I was actually like, okay, yeah, this is actually I'm actually looking in for the in that last issue to see if it's the same person. But while I'm doing that, um, Carlito Q in the chat is saying he's still recovering from Batman and Ninja Turtles. I see. I was going to address that too because so. <laughs> If you think that's blowing your mind, my guy, there have been... This is not the first off-the-wall uh, uh, crossover that is happening happened in the last few months, much less the last couple of years. Like, there's been Transformers versus Star Trek. There's uh, Power Rangers versus uh, Justice League. There's, like, there's been... So Green Trans- Lantern Star Trek, they did? Green Lantern Star Trek from years ago, yeah. Uh, like, there's been a few either Star Trek uh, crossovers and or Transformers crossover. Like, there was even, oh, Transformers Ghostbusters just happened um, um, a few months ago. So... Well, and then, then they did the Ghostbusters, um, like the movie Ghostbusters, so the animated Ghostbusters right, all they met each other. Crossover. Yes, they basically did a multiverse of all the tr- Ghostbusters characters in, in a crossover. And the He-Man multiverse one. They just that seen. one just ended, yep. So yeah, there is no shortage of crazy behind console. Like I said, the, the Power Rangers uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is still going on right now, which I have not read any of it, but I'm hearing some weird things. And uh, and that Batman Ninja Turtle one is like the third one of those, I believe. That's right. Maybe. Well, I know there's three of them. There was there were three of them. I can't remember this. this but was it one of them like the animated series with the animated turtles? Probably. I don't know. I didn't really kept up with them, but but I know there's been a couple of them. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's been no shortage of crazy co- uh, crossovers uh, in the last and forever, much less in the last couple of years. But uh, with that, yes, Power Rangers. Yeah, Power Rangers got a book now, or uh, has had a book for the last year or two. Um, and he's like, he had two even, books for a while. Yeah, and that yeah, and the second book just ended. Uh, matter of fact, issue fifty of the Power Rangers just came out this week. Um, 
point is X-Men Sailor Moon. You know what? They w- that would probably be something they would do. Don't, don't even trip. But anyway, uh, to get back on to, to, to what we're talking about here. So Transformers Term- Terminator 2 was a thing. I didn't actually check and see about the thing. But as we're going on with the next books that actually I'm leading on, um, we will do that. Uh, Green Lantern 80th Anniversary 100 page super spectacular say that five times fast so I actually enjoyed it so what this was was pretty much a um, you know there's been a, a couple of 80th anniversary you know anthology not necessarily anthology books but kind of super specials that DC's been doing for various characters lately this is probably the only one I've actually read now that I think about it and it's just various stories with various Green Lanterns some of them actually are fairly decent like the Alan Scott one that was the first was pretty good one uh, the one written by uh, Charlotte McDuffie, uh, Dwayne McDuffie's wife, was actually a pretty good one. The I, the one even where the well, three of the lanterns meet up and you know and go to see one of the fourth ones without spoiling that one. That one was actually kind of kind of pretty good. And I don't even like the character, the fourth character, all that much. But that's use of that. But yeah, like I said, there was a couple of good solid uh, stories in in there with various lanterns. The um, current various lanterns. The only one that pretty much didn't have a story was like the Teen Lantern from from um, from Young Justice, and that other one from that graphic novel that just came out uh, from Green well, Green Lantern Legacy. But they have like the far in. the far sector lantern. Just yeah, the far sector lantern also exactly also hasn't had one. But those are all more newer characters, and not necessarily saying as to why, but you know why they didn't have anything in the. But however, they are shown because they are you know in between each story there are there's pieces of art from each of the Green Lanterns um, from various artists. That's some good stuff also, and they are there. They at least show up there. Um, but yeah, but like that, it's it's um it's cool. It's a it's a cool um thing. Like just, and the, the stories go by, you know, they're only a couple of pages at a time. They they go by pretty quick, and some of them are probably I, more sig- significant than others, including that Denny O'Neill one. But go ahead. I was just gonna say I have a really hard time uh, recommending these for people mm. and justifying the price tag on them because these are all basically like the backup filler stories that you would get in an annual um none of them are good enough to be the lead story so you're basically getting it's like it's like when you see those uh this is the perfect analogy when you see those dvds in like family dollar and they say like Ernest from like Ernest goes to camp or whatever but you look at them closely and you realize it's just the commercials like a collection of just the commercials that he did for like an hour you're not even getting a movie or anything you're not even getting like like Ernest plays basketball or, or or whatever any of those movies were like all you're getting are just like him talking about Dr. Pepper and and Lewis Ford for you know an hour long like that's what these things are it's like you're kind of like mm, I'm kind of amused you know but then it's like you read this story and it's like okay well that story was kind of dumb and then you read the next one and you're like okay well that was interesting I guess and then here's one Kyle Rayner doesn't understand why he's a Green Lantern and still doesn't know where he fits in the DC universe neither do I okay you know let's you know it's like a bunch of these things were just like they were there and you can read them and the characters made an appearance but at the end of the day it's like I got done reading it going the, the one story of them meeting in the bar would probably be the only one 
I would ever revisit at some point in the future. Like that's something they would probably collect when they do like Green Lantern 100. Uh, 100 years in 20 years and they do one of those hardcovers that story will probably be in there but that's probably the only thing out of this book that's going to make it into something like that everything else is just it just feels like pages somebody some editor had sitting in their desk you know just to fill space at some point in the future so and especially with the price tag on these things being so expensive I just ugh, I just really can't justify these things existing the way they do I don't know. I feel like I feel differently about a, a couple of more than probably you do. Definitely that one that you, that you mentioned was one that would probably keep up. But I think the, uh, uh, there's a couple of more in the you know in there that feels like they were good starters to something that could go on to something else. Like especially like that Alan Scott one. Um, that kind of Rainer could have would, but I doubt it. Um, the like I said, the Charlotte McDuffie one. That one seemed like it was almost set like during um, Justice League Unlimited, except for the fact that you know it's a different Hulk girl. But that's a whole you know. That's, that's which which story was that? Oh, was that the one with John Stewart? Yeah, John Stewart and Hulk girl. Yeah, like again, that was okay, but like it really didn't. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's not really a story that sticks with you for any particular reason. Mm-hmm. You know, but it could have been the start of something. Which was my point. Like, yeah, probably that one. Whatever. And the the Denny O'Neill one was probably one that feels kind of like it was, and it was still good, mind you. But it was kind of what you were saying about stuff that was kind of you know holdover materials that wasn't used. That one kind of feels like one of them, but it was still kind of pointing. You know, there there was still a point to it. That one almost felt like he's heard people for years and years and years and years talk about the hard traveling heroes and how they get their hands dirty and how they're you know they're not afraid to just punch the guy in the face and whatever and and he was like you guys missed the whole point so you know he wrote this thing and didn't know where it was ever going to end up didn't know when it was ever going to be used but just had to write this thing that you know it's like okay here's where they have the chill out moment where they they take some time off and and cool their heads a little bit like you know, uh, j- just trying to address that, you know, maybe a little bit, which again, it's, it's interesting, but now that I've read it, it's like, okay, but I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to go, Hey, remember that story where, where Green Lantern takes a month off to read a book? Huh, I want to go read that one again. Like that's not, you know, I think it probably just, carries, you know, and, and, and I guess just to sort of wrap the discussion on this book, I think that the Denny O'Neill, uh, story carries a little bit more weight now that he's passed, you know, and it was just a coincidence that um, his probably his last published work is in this Green Lantern issue, right? And I think there's a uh, there's an article in it in the news section about that later on, but yeah. Um, how much was how much was the book? Because I don't didn't have that ten price. bucks, right? Yeah, nine ninety nine. All of those yeah, and all of those hundred pages are are are, are yeah. that much. Those anniversary ones, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see that as being a hard proposition. <laughs> well, yeah, especially when you get those Walmart ones that are 100 pages and they're 5 bucks. Right. You know, even though it's got some reprint material in it, you're still getting, you know, several issues of material. Right. But if you're a fan right. of the Green Lantern Corps you'll, and, and you yeah. know, hey, you're in it like that, go for it, I guess, right. if you want to. All right, my last one. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's, that's, I was about to say, that's, that, that, you, you hit the nail on the head. You have to be a real fan of the character to really invest in these media uh, issues. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, my last one is, and without spoiling it for uh, uh, PC underscore dirt, Spider Ham number five. And all I will say is that it was it was a pretty good ending to the silliness that the story was. I mean, the Spider Ham. What do you what are you expecting? It's it was drenched in silliness. Um, right. I would say because we didn't talk about last issue. I think the last issue was if if last issue was, well, if not last issue, uh, year uh, the issue three, and I think I can't remember if I had uh, read it then. I'm pretty sure I didn't because I did say earlier that I, I hadn't read it. But issue three would would have probably been like um, a potential click of the week for me, but Got I it. didn't talk about it at the time. But yeah, like I said, without belaboring the point, was like it it ended or let's say it it. It ends pretty well f- for what you would expect this to have, you know, because it right. could have gone a couple different ways. And I uh, haven't, I haven't been keeping up with the series. I think I read the first, you know, kind of turned off, mm. but I read this and I kind of appreciated the shots they took current animated shows. Yes, they took shots of. So I was like, oh, shots fired, man. Shots fired. Um, Yeah, yeah, I also appreciated the ending. I might go back now and read the series uh, in full. But yeah, I I, I like the the last issue of this miniseries. Yeah. And that is it for me. So whoever wants to take it next. Um, I will go through. I think I've got the most uh, left. So I'm going, or maybe uh, PC and Twitter has room. Same amount left. I just have two. Oh, okay. You want to do your two? So I and then uh, I'll just run. Uh, through. Sure. Um, Justice League Dark, uh, number twenty-three. Um, okay. So basically, what has been going on is, um, you have every character except Swamp Thing appearing in Justice League Dark for the last two issues, and then in this one they tease a long missing character from the DC universe is going to reappear. And you wonder, who could it be? Uh, Turns out it's exactly who you think it is. It's the one who had the great TV show on the DC app that was canceled. Um, And so he is back now in the uh, DC universe and Justice League Dark uh, brought him back. And it's one of those stories where they really kind of played with the... um, you, everything that goes on with Swamp Thing has always played with comics. Um, you know, whatever doesn't matter which writer has been doing it. They always play with the idea of, you know, how do you bring a character back from the dead, and what is reality, and uh, how do you play with these storytelling concepts? And um, there's just a lot of weird stuff that they're always allowed to do because it's a guy who grew out of the goo of the swamp and became a monster thing. So, um, so, so basically, uh, Swamp Thing's back. Um, it was a fun story. It gets a little weird at times, uh, but overall it's definitely, I think, worth reading. It's a fun, uh, if you want to, you know, read, if you're like, oh, I like Swamp Thing, I want to know how he comes back, just go back, like, maybe two issues, go back to maybe 21, just read 21, 22, 23, um, and you'll get the, the stuff you need for the story to make sense. Um, but it's it's a fun little romp. Again, nothing too special and amazing about it, but it was fun and entertaining. Um Let's see. Flash. 
Flash 756 was also the uh, the other book. And Flash, again, we, we were talking before about books that just kind of keep going on and on and on and on and on and on. And um, Joshua Williamson, who's been writing Flash for many years now, um, he has this habit of just layering stories on top of stories on top of stories on top of stories and it's almost impossible for new readers to dive in because the way he links things together he just finished another time traveling story rewrote part of the history of the flash universe um brought back a character from the dead who of course always comes back from the dead um and then now uh, a character that had been dead and brought back died again at the hands of the character that was dead and was brought back again. Um, and so now Flash feels guilty about all of that too. So uh, basically you've got Reverse Flash is back and he's putting together his own Reverse Flash family to take on the Flash and the Flash family. And so Flash basically tries to tell the Flash family to get lost in order to save themselves because he, he doesn't know what's coming from Reverse Flash, making a Reverse Flash family. Um, but the Flash family says that they won't leave Flash's side because they are the Flash family. Um, and now it's getting ready for the big battle between the reverse Flash family and the Flash family. So it's good. It's fun. There's a lot of stuff there. But, man, you got to, like, if you want to get into the story, go back five years. That's, wow. you know, like, you're going to have to. Uh, you're pretty much going to have to go back to maybe even like the start of Rebirth. I don't know, um, and, and start reading from there. But I mean, it's it's good stuff, but it gets it gets pretty thick, um, yeah. pretty dense. Yeah, I believe I have seen. Uh, I saw it in one article, Zoom's people, uh, known as the Legion of Zoom. Yes. So I don't know that, if well that was a tagline. He didn't actually call them that, but right. that was like the. Like, coming next issue, The Legion of Zoom. Right. So, they should keep it. Might as well. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy that shirt. (laughs) Is that it? That's it. I'm done. All right. All right. Um, So, I will pick up the baton and start with Empire Avengers number zero. This is a potential click of the week for me. Damn it, I knew I should have read the Celestial Madonna and the Celestial Quest stories while we were home in quarantine. Not like we didn't have a slate it, but hey, who knew? It's on our list, you know, but we decided to jump around. You know, we, we our initial plan was to try to prepare for Empire, but the longer quarantine um, dragged on, you know, we kind of, you know, decided to do other, other uh, events and other stories. But now... Um, I'm I'm curious to go back and read those. Although Al Ewing does an excellent job of um, doing um, exposition slash recap during the issue and in the mid and, and and as part of the story, and it's you know it's it's uh, it makes sense in a zero issue because it essentially gives the creative team an extra issue to tell the story that needs to be told to fill everyone in and get everyone up to date so that we're all on the same page coming in, even if your, you know, 
16 years old picking this book up for the first time or if you're like us old fogies who were still not old enough to read the celestial madonna story or and were only barely uh able to read the celestial quest stories because those are probably the only ones that came out while we were collecting um you know the uh, the art is by the team from um hawks pox which is Definitely welcome. It's pretty cool to see Pepe Larraz and Marte Gracia rock and roll on this. The art is great. It's very well staged. It's definitely cinematic. So it's pretty cool. It's an effective start to a big event. Uh, my only note is that it's strange that Iron Man is kind of gung-ho about everything. But uh, when you read it, you'll know what I mean. Uh, next up is Iron Man 2020 number four. Um, I mentioned this earlier. It's actually not bad for not having read the two prior issues. I did read through or skim through the first issue of this miniseries. I actually found that, of all things, this was a good jumping-on point. And most everything is explained to a good degree, so a new reader isn't exactly lost already four issues into an event series. Um, Also, I was very uh, glad that the art was pretty sharp. I don't know if the artist on this has been the same artist that's been on every issue of the Iron Man 2020 miniseries, but it was pretty sharp and it definitely kept my attention. So um, I'm willing to stick with reading this event, maybe not the tie-in issues, but definitely this event to see how uh, Slot wraps up this Iron Man 2020 issue. Uh, next up for me is Marvel Snapshots, Captain America number one. This is part of a series of stories curated by the original uh, creator behind Marvels, that is uh, the writer behind Marvels, that is uh, Kurt Busiek. Um, in this issue, it's, um, uh, I think it's a DC writer who's working on this, Mark Russell. And the oh, yeah, is, he was the one who did uh, Wonder Twins, and uh, that was another book, and Snagglepuss, yeah. Okay, it's Mark Russell, and the, and the art on this is by Ramon Perez. Um, it's an interesting take on a young man's adventure in a neighborhood in New York City that is rarely visited by the heroes of the Marvel Universe, the South Bronx, South South Bronx, shout out to uh, Boogie Down Productions and KRS-One. And what happens after the brief fallout from the Mad Bomb? That's an old school Jack Kirby uh, story from, uh, you know, Captain America and the Falcon when it was a team, you know, when that was the title of the book. Um, When the, you know, after the brief fallout from the Mad Bomb hits an already struggling neighborhood. Now, the timeline in this is a little murky, obviously, because the the original story was told in the 70s, the late 70s, early 80s. But, you know, it has Captain America in it, and depending on the sliding timeline, Cap doesn't get thought out in the current Marvel timeline until after 9-11. So it's a little, you know, it's a little weird. You know, obviously Marvels is kind of like that. It's not an Elseworlds thing, but it's meant to be kind of uh, the old timeline before it started to slide. So that's how I think we're supposed to take it. Uh, last for me is Thor number five, another potential click of the week. This is an outstanding issue. Uh, it's Donny Cates on script. It's Nick Klein on art. The Nick Klein art is appropriately epic. The revelations in this issue will have some impact on the Marvel Universe creation story for sure. Um, you know, just to get everyone caught up on this, 
Um, you know, Thor is essentially teamed up with Galactus. He's acting as a herald of Galactus to forestall, um, I believe it's the Black Winter, but there's some interesting revelations in this issue that will complicate things moving forward. So I definitely like the the, the epic cosmic scale that uh, Donny Cates is on in this book. It is, um, you know, it's definitely a good follow-up to what Jason Aaron did um, for Thor for all those years. So it's definitely pretty exciting. And that's it for me. Yeah, um, Mark Russell is most, more commonly known as a, a satirist and, and novelist uh, prior to his work uh, with uh, DC. But, you know, that is that. And I hear that Thor book is kind of, there's, yeah, there's definitely going, to, or this, this issue is kind of has some far-reaching stuff. But we'll get yep. to that in the news section. So, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Everybody's so just fun. chomping at the bit to, to, to say this. <laughs> I thought maybe Tim uh, threw in a click of the week. I was just checking. Our no, no, that was me. Uh, that was me asking him, and I should have done it earlier. But yeah, you know. So I've got a lot of choices. That's the thing. That's why I'm. Uh, I, I was hesitant to jump in and and, and say what uh, my click of the week is. I definitely have some strong contenders. Hmm. Uh, I'm definitely leaning towards picking between the Empire Avengers number zero because I thought it was such an effective opening issue to an event and Thor number five because it's just so it's so you know it's you know I you know we were joking about this and I actually added this to my sound effect repertoire uh dirt excellent you know it's kind of you know it's kind of what you think when you're reading this uh the Donny Cates Thor so um, I don't know if you're into uh, Thor at all. I definitely would recommend. It's only five issues in. If you know, it doesn't seem like uh, either of you have that much room in your reading list. But well, when I was on vacation, actually, I did buy uh, the first issue. Um, it was in one of those packs at like a Walmart, right? Uh, where they've got it shrink wrapped, so you could see like that. There was that, and there was uh, a variant cover of Spider Woman, and then there was like two books in the middle that you couldn't tell what they were. And it was like five bucks or whatever, and I was like, "Ah, what the heck? I'll go ahead and buy it." But I haven't read it yet. I've got it sitting in the other room. Got it. It's it's worth it. It's fun. It's fun. Um, I, I guess for me, I, I like I read a bunch of stuff this week, but only the five books that were actually for this week. Right. Um, so of the ones that I actually read that were for this week, I would say probably I'm going to have to go with Batman. Uh, because it was probably the the best story of the ones that were this week. Like I enjoyed Justice League Dark quite a bit. Uh, the regular Justice League was pretty good too, but they weren't you know these big epic things like the Batman story is actually turning into. Like I said, we've been waiting for something really to happen in Batman. It just seemed like for so long these gears were moving, but nothing was really um, happening. Nothing was was getting anywhere, but. Now we finally got somewhere, and like I said, I'm I'm desperate for that next issue now because that ending was uh, so good. It was it was really not what I expected at all. So I'm going with Batman. Okay, I'm 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 still stalling. Do you have anything, Roddy? Uh, yeah, I think I'm close enough. I wanted to ask uh, Dirt. Is I think I may have asked you this before. Is Justice League Dark consistent? Like, has it been consistently decent? Because it's not the first time you've you've mentioned that one. I don't know. Yeah, well, actually, I. 
I, I, I bought it when it first came out. I read like the first two or three, and I just kind of gave up on it. Oh. Um, I think Tim Tim was reading it regularly, but I kind of like, man, whatever. Um, but because of the quarantine, whatever, I went back and I just bought you know like a stack of them. Read like the last years worth. Like what is this twenty three or something that came out this week? Yeah, yeah twenty three came out this week. So I think I read like. 16 through 23 or something like that so um yeah it definitely it definitely feels like it at least got a lot more interesting i think the first one um the problem was that with justice league dark because it deals with all the magic stuff and whatever there's a lot of something happened why did it happen because of magic and, you know, it's like, how do we defeat this? Well, we go into the other realm. And then in the other realm, we have power. And then with the power in the other realm, we defeat bad guy. And it's just a lot of, you need to make something up. So we have magic, and magic can do whatever you want, you know? Um, but I feel like it really focused a lot more. Um, they, they actually did one of the storylines several issues ago they were talking to an older magical being and he's like well i know what my powers are my powers are whatever and they're like well no uh because your powers are magic and magic changes with the perception of reality and as as reality as as people look at the universe differently and as they interact with the universe differently reality changes and with the way reality changes your magical powers change and i was like oh that's kind of an interesting take on that whole thing and so yeah it definitely got a lot more interesting and got away from what i felt like it was really doing a lot at the beginning that was just like weird stuff happens magic and that was <laughs> that was its crutch at the beginning sure gotcha gotcha um cold as you were going through that i just realized that i forgot to mention a book in rapid fire and while it is not my uh, click of the week, I will briefly say that Teen Titans number 42, I actually did read that. And this was supposedly a Titans no more, Teen Titans no more um, issue, but except for it's not. Like, we kind of start off with Damien, Damien, uh, in, in, basically, I want to say that's probably him thinking about Alfred, because it's catching up with the whole Alfred thing, uh, now that he's no longer here. So, the, 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 the crux of the, the parts of the book is like, uh, Damien thinking about what Alfred would do in relation to, well, the team had broke up last issue because you know, of all the things that's been happening uh, but they get back together in this issue because one of their old enemies has been found dead and they felt some sort of responsibilities to find out why so it puts them, the team kind of back together again while still saying, well, we're not really a, a team anymore, but you know, but we're going to probably get back together as a team because of this whole thing we're going through now. Uh, so yeah, they're on this this quest to kind of find out, you know, what happened to this person that they didn't actually uh, finally deal with, and also in Kid Flash is trying to tell Red Arrow his feelings for her, but it's always coming at the wrong time. So who knows if that's ever gonna gonna happen but yeah this is pretty much you know hey the team broke up we we came back for this mystery and go on to the next arc uh but my click of the week is probably going to be i'm just gonna go ahead and set it for spider ham number five why not <laughs> all right all right all right 
All right, and I will wrap up with uh, my click of the week. Uh, I've settled on Empire Avengers number zero. I really like the fact that um, in very, uh, you know, in, in very uh, brief terms, uh, the creative team got us up to speed on some stuff that happened many, many, many moons ago with regards to uh, the events that would be leading up to um, you know this uh, this change in the Kree Skrull uh, relationship. So uh, I'm going to go with Empire Avengers number zero with Thor number five, a supremely close second. Alrighty, yeah. Shout out to the potential of Transformers versus Terminator, but I'm not expecting that one to go out <laughs> come out any better. All right, and with that, um, we are going to transition over to the news, and I'm thinking this is where we say uh, goodbye to PC underscore Dirt. For a while. <laughs> yes, so I've joked about it before. I haven't been very regular on the show with everything that's been going on, and now things are going to get even worse with my schedule. Uh, so uh, things got weird with lockdown, and now as things are being unlocked, things are getting even weirder. Uh, so my schedule is getting even crazier, and so uh, unfortunately that means that I'm going to be taking a, an extended. T- I'm going to be taking a Tim. Uh, no, no. Shot fired. Shot fired. But uh, I'll still be hanging out. Uh, I'll still be in the background. I'll still be sliding notes uh, in class uh, when the teacher isn't looking and uh, seeing what I can get away with. So anyway, uh, we'll still be sharing books uh, back and forth and uh, discussing throwing a few things here and there. Which, I was about to say, throwing clicks of the week when you have the chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. when you come on, you let us know when you can come on again. That's, you know. Yep. Well, and um, my hope is, like, there's sometimes we may get done early. You know, uh, sometimes they may want to do it at like four in the afternoon instead of doing it at eight o'clock at night because of some other thing in somebody else's schedule and whatever. So uh, if things you know happen to work out, you know, I may just pop in at the last moment. You might see me just appear out of nowhere. Cool. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So there you go, folks. We, we ran through our, our, our allotment of dirt and now he is saying abuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you later. Right. Talk to you later. Later. Um... And now we will go on into the 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 the, the news. But first, an ad read, sir. First ad read of the night. I forgot to tell you which one I was going to do first. I'm doing Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door, from rosé to cabernet to torronte. Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of The Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Now we get into the news. 
Yes. Oh man, I really need to work on a transition that has the like the the Combo Chronicles logo coming in as a back signal or something. That would be dope. If anybody knows anything about trans OPS transitions, please holler at me. Anyway, so cinematic news as we do every week, and we start off with Marvel casting Death Native American Hero for Disney Plus series. So uh, it sounds like see the Marvel Cinematic users just looking for a deaf female actor who is also Native American, First Nation, Indigenous, or uh, Latinx for a role in an upcoming Disney Plus series. So what's up, Echo? Possibly. Uh, according to Daniel Richtman, the character's name is Malia. Uh, she is described as an independent, athletic, and bright twenty-something-year-old. The character is set to appear in an MCU series that is filming this fall, which kind of lets out like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and a couple of the other, and I think WandaVision maybe, but uh, a couple of other ones uh, according to this article. But while only the first name of the character has been confirmed, Richtman believes Malia is the hero Echo, uh, as I've just stated. So that'll be dope. And maybe we'll even get an Echo series coming out of it. Because wait, because I don't even know where she is at this point. Like, I know she had, didn't she had die at one point? No, she's working with the Daughters of Liberty. Oh, okay. So she's in Captain America. Okay. Okay, sweet. So, there we go. Something potential break up to it. Uh, but yeah, according to this article, it says that, yeah, the, the fall timeline rules out Falcon with the Soldier, Wanda, Vision, and Loki, which leaves possibilities of Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel series. And out of those series, I can only see the first two, and most specifically Moon Knight, as probably being the more likely uh, prospect for it. But who's to say? Considering that they're introduced in Daredevil, I wonder if that's how they bring Daredevil to you mm. as a guest. Yeah, that is also a possibility. Yeah, since the, since that all happened, so who knows? We will. Um, it says something like uh, no, November 16th is when schedules. Oh, wait. It says uh, of the four shows, only Moon Knight has a start date for production. It's scheduled to begin filming on November 16th of this year. So there you go. Uh, moving right along. All right. Next up, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Enver has opened up about the turn of and my audio is I heard it happening. Um, I'll just work right through it. I hope yeah. it clears up soon. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Enver Jokot up about the return of Daniel Sousa and explained how Carter's endgame arc made the Paris time Agent Carter even more bittersweet. He thought it was what he thought it was a way of ending their story. Jokot told and as he said before, he thinks that it actually makes the romance between Daniel and Peggy much more bittersweet. Yeah, so if you if you remember Agent Carter, you know, he, he was kind of pining for her and they, they it seemed like something was going away, but it didn't apparently well according to Incame, it did not end up that way. Uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and yes he is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. during their time jump right now which is uh, I believe leads into the next story which is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. moves up the MCU timeline so this is a spoiler warning for uh, current uh, episodes of 
or the current episode of uh, Agents of Shield, which I have yet to see. But you know, because I'm a couple of issues behind uh, episodes, oh shoot, I'm a couple of seasons behind now. That I think about it, but yeah. So Agents of Shield took a time jump. They were basically uh, almost Legends of Tomorrow style, jumping around time. I think going forward in time, or they went back in time to the beginning of S.H.I.E.L.D. and now they're kind of slowly going forward and it sounds like uh, Sousa, the affirmation Sousa came with them according to the trailer. But, um... So, director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Yeah, I don't know when Mac became the director, but hey, there you go. That makes sense. And his team found himself themselves in 1973 in New York City. 1973 being a very good year, I, I would say. Some would say New York is a good city for full of possibilities for the Marvel Universe um, mm. in this regard. Uh, and they tried to do some things, and apparently, actually, I'm going to go ahead and take this next um, this next uh, story because it definitely has something to do with that. Um, because uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may have just saved an Avenger. And if you think about the setting, you would think a certain certain particular one. It is not that one. So apparently, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may have saved Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk, years before he became an Avenger. And this is from the same episode uh, of, of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that happened, and which involves the team, um, you know, infiltrating Hydra, Hydra, basically. You know how that... And a plot for Hydra to take out Bruce Banner as a child. Unlike a certain other plot that has been theorized in in, in time, <laughs> in times, so yeah, there you go. There is that is the thing that happened. Like I said, without going too much further in that, because again, I'm not caught up, and some people probably are not. Also, next up, uh, next up, Adam Driver's version of Kylo Ren's backstory is realistic and depressing. So, you know, we know what the backstory of the character is, but apparently, Adam Driver in his quest to um, figure out the character's motivation, uh, kind of created his own backstory for Kylo Ren. And um, according to... Um, Lev Grossman, the magician's author and the writer of one of the early big previews of The Rise of Skywalker, uh, Adam Driver told him that both Han Solo and Leia were way too self-absorbed and into this idea of themselves as heroes to really be attentive parents in the way a young and tender Kylo Ren really needed. There wasn't really that much of it in the movie, so he thinks that uh, we have to assume his childhood sucked. Okay. I mean, that's... Sure. That's... Obviously not. So one way to look at it? Yeah, that's one way to look at it. How some people wouldn't want to see Han and Leia, but at the same time, that actually, I feel like that could be something that could have actually borne out. It would make some sense. So, but hey, we don't know the real story. There you go. That's just a, it's an interpretation of the situation. So, uh, next up, Transformers: War for Cybertron Siege uh, trailer announces July premiere on Netflix. So yay, that new uh, that Transformers: War for Cybertron thing is going to come out soon. Well, soon-ish, because apparently, according to this, if you're watching the video, you can see the tweet. Uh, the fight worth fighting: Transformers: War for Cybertron Siege streams uh, July 30th. So we gotta wait a whole another month. And a little bit of change before we see that. 
And you know, like I said, you can check out the trailer um, on this article in the show notes or on YouTube if you've, I mean, not YouTube, well, it's definitely on YouTube, but um, on Twitter, wherever you've seen this. Next. All right, next up, uh, the complete first season of DC Stargirl is coming to Blu-ray and DVD on September September 29th, 2020 from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Um, you'll get all 13 episodes from the first season of the original series on DC Universe and the CW. Uh, it's priced to own at $24.98 for the DVD and $29.98 for the Blu-ray, uh, which includes a digital copy. Uh, it's also available to own on digital via purchase from digital retailers. Okay. Yeah. The funny part about it is, like, I I keep seeing things about that show and totally keep forgetting to actually see what it's about to, to, to check it out. Because so, it is out there. Anyway. Uh, next up, as soon as this thing loads. Come on. Come on. Be nice. Alrighty then. Fine. Um, the Flash movie could bring back Michael Keaton as Batman in a new alternative universe. So, um, yeah, it's there's a potential chance that um, see the Black Man back the Black Man the the Flash movie could bring back Michael Keaton as aging Batman, according to a new report. Uh, as reported by The Wrap, Keaton is currently in early talks with Warner Brothers to reprise his role he played in 1989's Batman and 1992's Batman Returns. Uh, there's still a chance that things will fall through, but if everything works out, Keaton will appear as Batman in an alternate universe accidentally created by The Flash. Um, the Flash movie is loosely based on Flashpoint DC Comics storyline from 2011, so that should just be the start of the mind-bending dimension hopping. Um... You know what? Why not? I I wouldn't mind seeing. Like I don't know if Keaton has been, you know, been been thinking about trying to suit up again. But I, I'm down for it. <laughs> it's pretty much my favorite he's Batman anyway. Bill- I was about to say he's got bills to pay. So, well, I mean, well, sure, but I feel like Spider Man set him up for fairly decently, at least for temporary right. reasons. But you're right. You know, you got to get them bills out there. So, and I feel like he's still working somewhere. We just don't know. Um, you know, nothing's come out yet. But hey, it'll be good to see, regardless. Next up. All right, next up in sad news, uh, Joel Schumacher, costume designer turned director of films, including St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, and Falling Down, as well as two Batman films, died in New York City on Monday morning after a year-long battle with cancer. He was 80. So most comp- fans will remember him uh, as uh, handling the initial 1989 Batman uh, movie that started that particular franchise. Um, Wait, what? Actually, not started. Handled the reins after Tim Burton left, that is. Um, so the first movie by Schumacher, Batman Forever, starred Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, and Nicole Kidman, and that grossed more than $300 million worldwide. Bat nipples. That's right. Yes, so the, the, yeah, these are the movies that people speak less of. The Batman movies specifically that people think less of, but you know, sad to see him go. Um, apparently, wait, it says here. Yeah, that, I had Michael Keaton on the brain, so I was like, wait, he did the first ones. No, that was Tim Burton. Right, right. Yeah, he was handed handed the reins up. But anyway, uh, apparently. Um, yeah, I did not know he was a costume designer. I did not also know that he was openly gay, which, and I think 
I don't know, according to this article, introduced, kind of equated the two by introducing the bat nipples. And, yeah. lean, and Lenny said, leaning into the long-standing latent hetero- homoeroticism between the two characters in 2006, Cloney told Barbara Walters that he had played that, wait, Cloney told Barbara Walters that he played Batman as gay, which I don't think came across like as well as he think it did. Right. But, sure. Anyway, there is that, folks. Uh, next up, uh, oh, yes. So, the Secret Origins, the story of DC Comics uh, documentary from 2010 is now on YouTube uh, for you to check out freely. So, um, you can go check it out. I don't think I did initially. I can't remember where this uh, initially showed up. I haven't watched it, so that's good news. Yeah, exactly. Same here. I'd have, and I feel like I've seen it or may actually own this on Vudu. Uh, because it was something that they put out like as, as a standalone product and, and not with something. Uh, but nevertheless, it is out there and you go check it out on YouTube as a whole, it's a whole hour and a half. And, um, you know, they've been putting out a lot of their, you know, old, uh, documentaries and whatnot on this. So we've you know been talking about them the last couple of weeks or at least last week or so, but yeah, check it out next up. All right, uh, The Flash, Wonder Woman 1984, and every other DC Comics show and movie may not be participating in this year's San Diego Comic-Con, which went virtual in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, That's because Warner Brothers is actually planning its own virtual fan experience centered around the comic book publisher's many properties for August. So on August 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, that is... Uh, what would that be? Seven o'clock. Jeez. No, ten a.m. No, so that would be two o'clock. Sorry, yeah. two o'clock Eastern time. Uh, two o'clock Eastern time. Warner Brothers will launch DC Fandom, a free global online event boasting big announcements and new content from across the DC's TV, movie, games, and comics and only available for 24 hours, the studio announced Tuesday morning. As of right now, the massive endeavor will include the cast and creators of the following DC titles. Aquaman, The Batman, Batwoman, Black Adam, Black Lightning, DC Superhero Girls, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, DC Stargirl, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Harley Quinn, The Snyder Cut of Justice League, Lucifer, Pennyworth, Pennyworth still around? Shazam, The Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Superman and Lois, Teen Titans Go, Titans, that's a lot of freaking stuff. I didn't realize there's a lot of this stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Titans, Watchmen, Young Justice, Outsiders, and of course Wonder Woman 1984. You can also expect some news about WB Games and comics too. I didn't realize that DC had that much uh, television and movie property um, ongoing and upcoming, and the well, only I mean, thing that's not is Watchmen because right. that's you know, firmly in the past unless they announce the sequel. Well, I mean, some of that unless- is actually old, also because like Young Justice Outsiders was is, was last season of Young Justice, so it's stuff they're basically saying all the stuff they they have had you know of recent you know not just stuff that's coming out but stuff they they they've had in the past, just kind of letting folks know. So, but yeah, if you're watching the video version of uh, the 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 uh, podcast you will see the website for dc fandom that i'm putting up 
um, with some of the subsequent information that you can go check out for yourself. So okay. here's another con we can go to this year. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Next up, uh, Scott Pilgrim may see new life and Al and animation. So apparently Scott Pilgrim versus the world is about to turn 10 and we may soon see a return, uh, see a return to it in a whole new way. Um, in a new oral history of the film, director Edgar Wright mentioned, Oh, I hate autumn folk playing stuff. Good gosh. Uh, mentioned that there are rumblings about continuing the franchise in animation. There are some plans, uh, and there's nothing official yet. And there are some plans to, but there are some plans to revisit the material in an animation way. Wright said, uh, we've been talking to Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim and Jared LaBeouf, the executive producer for a while, about it um, and they said what if we did something from the books in anime form it's being discussed as we speak so fans of Scott Pilgrim or the Scott Pilgrim movie which actually was pretty good uh, have this to look forward to whenever that happens when and or if have this happens next up oh, uh, now we're, going into, we're transitioning to yep. comic book news correct we are meanwhile at the hall of justice and actually, I will say in that transition that uh, hey, if you're also if you are checking out the video version, you know, go check out the show notes. If you're or even if you're watching the audio version, check out the show notes because we have some other stuff, including the news, including stuff in the clickbait section, such as um, you know, what do you need to remember before Marvel's next crossover? Talking about Empire, so there is a catch-up little catch-up guide that is in here, and also. Uh, Another article talking about Avengers uh, Marvel's Celestial Messiah and who explains who that is, which I know we've talked about in the past, but, you know, it is it is that. And so on to the comic book news, we get into a little bit of toy corner, actually, start to start off. Uh, there is a Marvel Select Taskmaster fig action figure that um, that uh, is being put out for thirty five bucks. It looks pretty good, but I, I'm fairly certain Agent 70 is like, it's not a select, so screw it. I mean, it's not a legend, so screw it. I'm not well, speaking I mean, for him, I'm just saying. To, I was about to say, select is supposed to be like supposedly a nicer um, version, but I've got that particular version. It's kind of like the old school uh, costume in Marvel Legends form. So, But there's plenty of people out there that like the select um, figure line, so you know, good good for them. It's a slightly bigger scale, I believe. It's seven. It's on the seven inch scale because uh, our notes say that this measures seven and a half inches tall. Mm-hmm. So, the six inch scale is what you know. The, it, at least I try to stay with consistent. Right. Um, it's a good looking figure, next, though. Next up. Oh sure. Next up, uh, enough of the jibber jabber. I pity <laughs> the fool who doesn't get their hands on the first ever elite. Mr. T figure, free order now. It's a 2020 convention exclusive. Um, it's got uh, cloth for clothes and, uh, you know, chains up, you know, uh, 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 you know, creating a, a, a neckline, basically. So it's uh, it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, so for those that didn't know and not of a certain vintage, uh, the one point some point of, and I'm pretty sure there are wrestling fans who probably weren't there but probably still know this. Mr. T uh, got in the the wrestling ring, um, and I think noticeably, if I'm not mistaken, with Hulk Hogan. Correct. And uh, Roddy Piper. 
And Roddy Piper, yes. So uh, around the time, and this was like after the A-Team, um, if I'm not mistaken. It was and, before, I think. Was it? Right, because it was, uh, whatchamacallit, it was uh, Rocky Three. Hmm, that was, was pre-18. Hmm, okay. Well, Rocky was pre-18, if I'm not mistaken, because that's where Mr. T really got his big break. Hmm. At, as the uh, the enemy, basically, as the, uh, the 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 bad guy fighter in Rocky Three. Right, but this was definitely after Hulk Hogan's Rock and Roll Wrestling. We try not to evoke that name too often because he's a dirtbag. But um, <laughs> at this point, but nevertheless, that was a thing that happened. This was also pre, uh, probably p- during Mr. T serial and the F- and the uh, the cartoon of Mr. T's name. Probably after that, I think. I don't remember. Things blur together. I'm old. But nevertheless, this is around that time. So you, this is why you see the figure as, is as it was. You see him in wrestling attire and with the, the, his uh, gold chains and um, the camo outfit he was wearing at the time. I felt like I'd pick this up. I'm not even a wrestling fan, but, you know. The only thing that would make it better is if I had a string on the back and his head, I'd pity the fool. Yeah. But next up... Um, here we go. DC Collectibles Division switches from Diamond to four new distributors. Uh, so yes, this is the follow-up to Diamond's uh, withering relationship with the Diamond Comics distributors. They also changed their Tory distributors to, I don't know if it says here, DCS Forum retailers that it's Collectibles Division, DC Direct, has signed deals with four new distributors and will no longer be carried by Diamond Comics Distribution or Diamond Select Toys. DC Direct, so which means I guess those are collector's items at this point, huh? Um, DC Direct produces action figures, directs, uh, excuse me, action figures, statues, busts, props, replicas, and art prints, primarily for direct market. Um, and I don't see, I see, oh, here we go. DC Direct products will now be distributed by uh, Entertainment Earth, Lunar Distribution, uh, UCS Comic Distributor Distributors, and uh, so basically Midtown, uh, Lunar Distribution, and Entertainment Earth are, are handling. And it looks like Sideshow will also still have uh, some relationship with uh, the company. So there you go. Next. Right. You know, kind of screwing over uh, retailers who are trying to order these toys for the people that want them. They're, you know, they're just going to have to pay, you know, more shipping, you know, and have to go through more hoops to order this stuff. But what can you do? Potentially, yeah. All right. Uh, the Spider-Man PS4 game that's upcoming that's going to have uh, Miles Morales as the lead in the expansion. Um He's going. Uh, Miles is going to be exhibiting a few uh, unique abilities that uh, Peter Parker does not have, and uh, the upcoming game is going to implement them. Um, Insomniac Games confirmed that Spider-Man Miles Morales will allow players to use Miles' Venom Shock and camouflage abilities in combat. On top of this, they'll have access to web-slinging gadgets and skills similar to what Peter has in Spider-Man PS4. So yeah, and this this particular one is coming out for PS5, not PS4. Um, the the mouse uh, thing. I mean, they might they might do a double dip, but I don't think so. Regardless, 
hey, guess what? Miles is going to have all of his abilities. There you go. Next up, uh, speaking of uh, Miles, uh, Marvel confirmed where Miles Morales gets his PS5 costume two years ago. So apparently, thanks to the graces of Spider-Geddon, uh, Miles Morales met the PS4 Spidey uh, in comic book form and uh, here in lies a panel where the two of them talking because Miles was uh, leading a team and was not feeling too great about himself when PS4 Peter, I don't know what the the uh, the, the, the designation of uh, that version of Peter is but regardless uh, basically it says that um Hey, that's a nice outfit you got up there, and and they were basically talking, and the Peter was like, you know what, I got a miles on my Earth, and he would be proud to know that there was you know someone like you that is around, and uh, he basically is, and Peter says like, uh, and Miles is like, hey, thanks, that means a lot. Your Miles is lucky to have a friend like you, and tell him I said hey, and then Peter says, oh, I might they'll do more than that, which means this could be potentially where Miles PS Five gets his suit from. There you go. Okay. From a couple of years ago. I have still yet to read Spider-Geddon, much less Spider-Verse. Next up... I remember this issue. I remember that issue where that happened. So mm-hmm. it's right near, So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, actually a pretty good bit of, I guess, foresight. I don't know. All right. So in more Marvel gaming news, uh, I can hear the... <laughs> you can hear in my voice. Um, Crystal Dynamics offered a new look at Marvel's Avengers, the upcoming single-player and cooperative action-adventure game on Wednesday during its War Table live stream. And a lot happened. They described a lot of stuff that happened. Uh, think, you know, they played, you know, cutscenes and, and whatnot. So, you know. You can hear still, the energy in, in Agent 70's voice when talking about this. Yeah, I was like, oh, for goodness sake. Now, this actually so, looks, if you get a chance, to check it out. It actually looks pretty good. And by the way, if you, uh, I don't think we've talked about this the name of the uh, of the Marvel's Avengers game will be Avengers War Table, properly. So there you go. And there is this threat trailer, and there's also a co-op trailer that is, was also brought up um, around when this happened uh, on Wednesday, and the, the story kind of gives a little bit more insight on that stuff. Under it. But I think it looks good. I think they got Kamala a little too light, but you know, but nobody looks you know comic accurate or completely comic accurate in this because this is like the Gamerverse you know universe so it is what it is next up um, and also speaking of Marvel's Avengers so Marvel's Avengers is confirmed as a PS5 and Xbox X series launch title um, and I believe it is also going to come out on the PS4 and I'm going to take the next story uh, because it is related to that in that um, Marvel's Avengers is confirmed to have a free upgrade to the PS5 so which means if you got the PS4 version you will later get a PS when you get a whenever you get a PS5 you will get a you know a free upgrade to that version of the game which has happened on occasion doesn't happen that often uh, in transition of uh, console cycles but Sometimes it happens, and it's it's, uh, it's kind of cool. And I think there's also a new like texture mode that's also you know 
was touted in the last article about that's come along with it because you can play the PS4 and then when it gets to the PS5 it'll be some enhanced graphics mode or something like that. But yeah, there you go. So don't you don't have to be afraid to buy the PS4 version when you don't have the PS5 yet. If you are so inclined, that probably might be me, but we'll see when that kind of time comes. Next up. All right, next up, Marvel Comics is a senior vice president of publishing and executive editor Tom Brevoort wants to play a game, a game of comic book editing. The House of Ideas' top hands-on editor has launched an editorial simulation game on his personal blog. Like a tabletop RPG or revised version of fantasy football, players of Brevoort's editorial simulation will take weekly turns, with the game expected to run for three months. In the game, five players will act as group editors. Three at Marvel, one at DC, and one at Image Comics, with the goal of successfully managing their titles commercially and critically. Sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, and of course, as you would expect, the jokes were flying on Twitter. Um, one of which being, oh, also all DC has to do to win is to put out 10,000 books, and they've won. Oh, wait, wait to last minute and put out through uh, 10,000 books. Um, and I believe there was um, a jab at Marvel about the whole C.B. Sabolsky uh, playing as a Japanese person. Uh, there was a joke about that also. So, yeah, I know I'm that sounds kind of interesting. I would be I would like to see the rules of this if there are any outside of just it being going through. But I guess it's on this blog. So I don't know. That could be interesting, I guess. Next up. Oh, so why are these? Um, X-Men crossover X of Swords has almost doubled in size to 24 parts. I feel like we may have talked about this before, but I don't remember. Uh, so, yeah. Instead of being whatever it was initially, Hickman's just going to be getting a 24 parts to this whole big... Oh, so apparently, according to Newsarama, it was a 15 parts. Uh, okay, well, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, uh, so it was originally a 15-part story, and now with a new checklist for the crossover showing 24 parts. So, yeah, this is going to be a very big event, folks. Not to be surprising, because Hoxpox, you know, was what it was. And, you know, Hickman's earlier dealings with earlier events. No surprise here. Next up. Uh, Marvel Tales, a short fiction series from Marvel's new media team, features writer G. Willow Wilson's return to the world of Kamala Khan with the Miss Marvel-centric story Late Spring. Focusing on life in quarantine, the story begins with Kamala describing how spring and, by extension, growth creeps up on you. She uses the metaphor of her neighbor's pearwood tree and how it's gotten taller and taller without Kamala really noticing the gradual process of growth. Most notably, though, the story celebrates the roles of essential workers. Nice to see G. Willow Wilson back on Ms. Marvel. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, next up... Oh, actually, uh, so we just got word from Tim about his... Um, uh, click of the week. I'll just go ahead and get that out of the way right now. And it is... Um, just like um, Agent 70, Empire, uh, Avengers, uh, number one. Zero. Zero, excuse me. Sorry. But there you go. The full slate for 
for the first time this year. Um, next up, let's see. Marvel promises two major pro- turning points and beginnings uh, of wait and beginning of Marvel's Space Age and Empire's epilogues. And my apologies, folks, because these these things things are not um, coming up like they're supposed to. But then again, that's more of the site and not me. I don't think, but. Um, here we go. It would be uh, wouldn't be a Marvel Comics event without tie-in issues, preludes, and epilogues, and this summer's uh, Empire that finally launches post Diamond Suspension July fifteenth will be no different. Um, in September, Marvel will publish two post post game epilogue one shots: Empire Aftermath, Avengers, and Empire Fallout. Fantastic Four, which answered the question, who will be left standing, uh, who will be left standing in the fallout of Empire, I believe this uh, article is trying to say. And both will have the added bonus of being alliterative. So, okay. Good stuff, I guess. Next! Uh, spoiler alert for um, uh, Empire Avengers number zero. Um. Uh, basically, it's a tease that's set up in the issue where um, it's a, there's a cliffhanger at the end of it. I prefer not to spoil it because these issues are going to come fast and furious, no pun intended, uh, very soon because they were actually set to come out the week we went into lockdown here in New York. Um, so... Um, you know these issues are ready to be you know to be distributed we've already actually had our hands on preview copies for a while now and um you know the uh the characters that they're being sent to war against you know a, a, a quote-unquote future mcu team is uh you know le- i'll leave it to your imagination it's not that hard though if you know what's coming out in solicitations yes if you follow solicitations so there we go. But we, I'm sure we will be talking about it um, very soon. Yes. Going forward. Next up, uh, switching gears to another event that's going on simultaneously. Um, spoiler packs up their suit, but probably not for good in Outlawed. Uh, and apparently this is a spoiler for a book that has already come out. In fact, I think this is about out book because Actually, I don't know when this book came out. Did it come out last week? I don't remember. Regardless, spoilers for Ironheart 2020 number two. Oh, that was this week. Okay. Yeah, see, I haven't been keeping up with... Uh, and this is this kind of goes to another thing. It was like, dang it, when crossovers... No, I, I apologize. Rescue had a number two. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think... So Ironheart might have been last week, I think. I'm not sure. Regardless, um... Apparently, as as you would expect uh, from whose book it is, uh, Ironheart is uh, is going to be the one that gives up the suit for a little while, which is a shame. Um, due to what's going on in Outlawed, even though she is a part of uh, Iron Man twenty twenty, so you gotta love it when two events kind of cross over into each other like that. When you're only possibly reading one, if you're even reading one. Um. But yeah, so that's the thing. We won't go into the story point of Outlaw because we will be talking about it a little bit more and I need to catch up on it. Next up. All right, next up, this is something I was referring to earlier. 
Um, the Black Winter is coming in Thor number five, and Donny Cates teased wait something epic for the Marvel U. Wait a minute, you missed so one. I, you missed one, but that's fine. I get it. You go ahead and finish that one. The outlawed one? There was oh, two I'm of sorry. them. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry. I keep on. doing yours. Keep doing that one. Which one were you doing? Um, uh, oh, you did pack up their suit. Okay. Um, outlawed when spoiler returns to Earth six one six. It may spell trouble. Um, that includes uh, Earth 65's Gwen Stacy, and uh, this is actually uh, it's actually going to come up uh, post the events of Ghost Spider number ten, which I talked about last week. Yes, so it's a little bit of juggling you're going to have to do in the next uh, in the next few couple of weeks, but you know it is to his list. But yeah, go ahead and finish that out uh, the lower one. All right, yeah, so, so, so the next story, I, I already discussed it, that uh, Donny Cates is going to be uh, really creating something epic in the pages of Thor, and it's probably going to touch upon uh, things like the creation of the Marvel Universe and Galactus's place in it. So it's, it's going to be a pretty wild cosmic ride, and I'm looking forward to it. And which is also weird, cause considering that stuff has been talked about in, you know... But then again, I mean, you can't talk about Galactus and not talk about the creation of the universe, so at some point. Anyway, uh, Immortal Hulk Zero promises to reveal new secrets of the monster's origin. Uh, Solicitation for September's Immortal Hulk Zero teases an all-new secrets uh, related to Bruce Banner's monstrous father, Brian. And, uh, yeah, so there appears to be more to Hulk's origin than fans previously thought. Um, if uh, Immortal Hulk Zero delivers on its promise of new secrets regarding Bruce Banner's insane father, Brian. Uh, according to Solicis, uh, the upcoming issue will feature an all-new tale featuring the man who made Bruce Banner's childhood a living nightmare and thus played a part in Bruce becoming the Green Goliath, which also promises to delve into the uh, aforesaid uh, secrets behind them. The, the issue will also... Uh, reprint Brian Banner's centric tales from 1985's The Incredible Hulk 312 by Bill Mantlow and Mike Mignola and 1970, 1997's excuse me, The Incredible Hulk number 1 by Peter David and Adam Kubert and I believe this is the, the, this was um, um, Ewing talking about this while he was also saying something about there could be a, an Immortal Hulk styling for She-Hulk coming down the pike which I th- thought this um i thought this article or maybe another article that i was um uh looking at suggested but yeah there we go a motor hulk zero is coming boom next all right next up um picking up on a a story dang a dangling story plot line uh the fantastic four comic is about to tackle an untold story that was teased all the way back at the beginning of slots run um just how, why, and most importantly, when was Bobby Drake, a.k.a. Iceman, a member of the Fantastic Four? We'll find out more in September's Fantastic Four number 24, which tells the story of that time Iceman replaced the Human Torch as a member of the Fantastic Four. I do, lo- I do remember this and love how they just kind of slid that in there when we were talking about, uh, when we were reading Fantastic Four, because, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And just think, he could have replaced Herbie. Who replaced the Human Torch in the animated series, which that's not true. I made that up. Anyway, next up. Uh, Darth Vader ended Luke Skywalker's pod, pod racing career, which we did not know he had. 
so apparently this is coming from Star Wars Annual Number 4, which I assume is out. I don't remember uh, seeing that that being out, but if it is, whatever. So yeah, apparently Vader did something, and even before Luke could even have a pod racing career, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Vader put the kibosh on it for somehow, some way. Um, so yeah, I I and without knowing because I haven't read this, so I I would expect um, there was like some. He, there was some pod race that he was trying to enter and he did and, and the, the name of Skywalker got mentioned and he was like nope you can't race but I know that probably wouldn't be the case but if it is I'm sorry for ruining it for everyone again I have no clues that, that that's probably not it so just don't take that for me being silly anyway next up alright in unfortunate as my audio go wonky again illustrator and Lauren Tracy a. Lorua has used Spider-Gwen and Southern co-creator tour of harassment. In account, an account posted to Lorua detail Latour Thought Bubble Festival in Leeds, where he allegedly offered her free comics if she went to his hotel room with him, then continued to proposition her throughout the weekend. Gross. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and I will go ahead and say that my uh, buckle up, folks, because this is uh, the block where there's going to be a few of these stories going on. So if you are sensitive to that kind of stuff and don't want to hear about it, maybe skip ahead. Probably a good five, ten minutes. Probably ten minutes. Uh, but yeah, this was Jason Latour. If anybody didn't uh, hear uh, what uh, that got accused. As far as I know, he hasn't said anything, you know, in response to it or or or, or whatever. But I don't know. Like, but well, I imagine we will probably hear something at some point if that's going to happen or not. I don't know. He may have said something on Twitter. I just didn't. I missed it. Whatever. Uh, and not whatever to because sexual harassment is a serious uh, allegation. So don't take this from me being flippant about any of this. Uh, next up. Uh, DC pulls Warren Ellis's death metal story following series of allegations. So yes, and this was now, mind you, the Warren Ellis accusations came before the Jason Latour, actually days before the the um, the, the Jason Latour one, and I think some of these other ones. I think it was probably one of the first recent batches. Um, as this thing doesn't want to pull up, apparently. DC has pulled a planned Warren Ellis Jim Chung story from the August 4th uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knight number one anthology. The previously announced two page story in Dark Knight's Death Metal Legends of the. Okay, that, that, that thing by Warren Ellis and Jim Chung will be replaced with a two page story written by Marguerite Bennett. Excuse me. And illustrated by Jamal Eigel reads the announcement to retailers in an email sent out Friday evening. Excuse me. Good Lord. Uh, the publisher did not provide a reason for the removal of the story, which was to be the origin of the alternate universe Batman who lives in a robotic uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, B-Rex. Uh, and there is a, a follow-up to the allegations, which we'll talk about now. All right, so uh, Warren Ellis responded to the sexual misconduct allegations made against him by several women. 
Uh, he says that he never considered himself famous or powerful. Um, you know, in a statement that he posted on Twitter, it never occurred to him that other people didn't see it the same way, that he was not engaging as an equal when gifted with attention, but acting from a position of power and privilege. Uh, he did not take that into account in a number of his personal interactions, and that was a mistake, and he owns it. While he's made many bad choices in the past and said a lot of wrong things, uh, he wants to make it clear that he never consciously coerced, manipulated, or abused anyone, nor has he ever assaulted anybody. But he was ignorant of where he was operating from at a time when he should have been clear, and he accepts 100% responsibility for that. And I'm paraphrasing. You should read his full statement. Yes, but that's pretty much how the article also has it in, in, in strokes. Uh, so, yeah, so there is that. And then, next up, um, Common Book Legal Defense Fund Executive Director Charles Brownstein has resigned uh, in face of resurfacing sexual assault allegations. Um, Charles Brownstein, Executive Director of the Common Book the Legal Defense Fund, has resigned effective immediately. Uh, because of said uh, sexual assault uh, allegations. A statement sent to CBR reads, uh, and as we plan for the future with new leadership in place, we will work with our staff and human resource experts to continue developing policies that will make us a stronger organization. And then there is a full statement from the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund that you can read in the article for yourself. Next up. All right, next up, Dark Horse Comics has responded to the latest allegations of sexual assault against former editor-in-chief Scott Alley, vowing to cease working with him now and in the future. Following new allegations from former editor Shona Gore, Dark Horse released a statement supporting Gore and cutting ties with Alley. We believe Shona Gore, the statement reads, in a tweet posted along with the company statement. Uh, Effective immediately, Dark Horse Comics will not be working with Scott Alley now or in the future. We apologize to fans, creators, and employees for all the damage and hurt Scott has caused. Yes. Um, and if you've been paying attention to Twitter uh, for any length of time in the last week, like, the comic books industry is not the only ones that have been having a bunch of allegations uh, in it. Like, video games, definitely, uh, and movies and TV also. Um, in the wake of some of that... Some comic cre- male male comic creators. I don't know who put this together, so I don't know uh, where this originally came from. But there has been a hashtag comic pledge floating around the twitters, and some folks have been posting the image that if you're watching the video, you can see. And I'm pointing to the video, I'm pointing to the screen, like y'all can see me. Why am I doing that? Anyway, and it says, "Men in comics say no." I'm not going to read all of this, but. Uh, Check out the video if you are so inclined, please, uh, to to check it out. Uh, There are a lot of ideas we claim to honor in comics. Hope, justice, unity, innovation, creativity, and freedom. None of them mean anything unless men in comics change our behavior and hold each other accountable for the safety of women and all people of marginalized genders and uh, sexes. And then it goes on into a pledge, which... As someone on my Twitter timeline likened to a virginity pledge and would probably have uh, the equal amounts of uh, validity to it. Uh, yeah, that is a thing. It is a step. It is a, it is a, it is a nugget. But, you know, just, m- hey, folks in power, especially men in power, more specifically, don't be assholes. Don't be dicks. 
stop stop this. Stop using using the power to try to get you know have sex or just or just just assaulting people. Any of this, I don't know. This is like this is this is so this, this is so crazy that this keeps happening. And you would think people would start to learn that this this is just not shit that you should be doing. But yet here we are. Um. But you know, I, now there was more I was going to say to that, but it's it's. I don't think there's not much else I could really say that's going to add much to the voices that are already out there saying very good things and very much things against this kind of assault. Um, so we're just going to move on to the next story. All right, next story is uh, Deceased Redeems a Justice League Hero with Their Hope at World's End. So the notes are uh, incorrect in our show notes, but the story is um, in Deceased Hope at World's End number three, a fan-favorite superhero earns redemption and proves why they are one of the greatest characters in the DCU. It's the spoilers for Hope at World's End number three by Tom Taylor, Carmen D. Giado Menico, Rex Locus, and Saida Temofonte. Um, right, so in issue number three, focuses entirely on Wally West, who proves yet again why he's one of the greatest superheroes in the DCU. So I'm not going to go into the full spoilers, but it's apparently a very uh, Wally-centric issue. Mm. Yeah, I, and I also realized that there was a lot of bias, let's say. Because I know there, Wally is a lot of people's, we talked about this in the past, Wally is a lot of people's first and only Flash. Right, we talked about about it last week, how he was the only Flash that was around for Identity Crisis. Right. And, like, treated as the moral center of the Justice League. Right, so it's it's the one that a whole lot of people know of, so that's why you get things like he, people saying that he is the most greatest, one of the greatest characters in the DCU, because that's probably who they grew up with. Regardless, there you go, it's out there. Uh, Death Metal gives Wonder Woman the perfect sidekick, and actually it's a person, uh, it's a character that we have talked about um, earlier in the show. So this is a spoiler for Dark Knight's Death Metal number one, which I think you read last week? Yeah. Um, and I don't remember this being mentioned, but it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, Wonder Woman is being partnered with uh, Swamp Thing. Um mm-hmm. For whatever's going on in that issue, I don't in that book because I, I don't know and I haven't been reading it. But wacky, yeah. So there you go, Swamp Thing. Poof. Next up. All right. Spoiler alert. Also in Death Metal, the event reshapes the DC universe into something akin to Middle Earth. Uh, there is a map that definitely reminds one of the map that is featured within the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, drawn by one uh, uh, Bilbo Baggins after his uh, adventures in The Hobbit. Okay. If you're watching the video, you can see said page with said map. Uh, and I don't see the Shire anywhere. But weirdly enough, it's almost the, the map is shaped like the bat symbol. No what? big surprise. Yeah, no coincidence there. Um, probably. Next up. Oh, shoot. Come on, don't do this. All right, well, while that loads up, I will push over here and go to the other side of the news. Um, Here we go. Spoilers for You Brought Me to the Ocean, which is a DC book. Um, Alex 
Sanchez, author of the prose novel series Rainbow, Rainbow Boys, reimagined the origin story of DC's Aqualad, a.k.a. Jackson Hyde, in a recently re- released original graphic novel, You Brought Me to the Ocean. Uh, once a sidekick of Aquaman, Aqualad is reimagined here by Sanchez and artist Jar- uh, ah. Julius, blah, Julie Moreau in his own story and with his own agency and identity. Uh, with the book now on shelves and in people's hands, uh, and less of a fear of spoiling people, Deuterama spoke with Sanchez about the story, um, and the rest is in an interview with Alex Sanchez. So you can go check that out and check out that book whenever it is. I'm assuming it is out or coming out soon, because I can't pull up the story. Next up. Okay. I had to just take a look at the uh, the article to find out what it is. Young Justice gets a new team name, and it's apparently absolutely perfect in somebody's opinion. Um, Young Justice returned to the DC Universe uh, in uh, the Wonder Comics imprint and has reunited several old Young Justice characters in the most recent issue um, during a discussion. Um, somebody recommend this uh this this, this article is written by tim good job tim good old tim dog 98 yeah and Uh, i'm not caught up on on super uh, on young justice so i don't know what it is i'm just gonna skip past this keep on i was just gonna say that uh uh tim drake wants to enthusiastically uh change their name to young justice league okay Oh, okay, so it's not that. Okay, uh, I guess, sure. I mean, that's kind of what they were. It's fine. So, yeah, I guess, sure. <laughs> I mean, again, that's pretty much what they were. So, all right, moving right along. DC just confirmed that you've been saying blank, the spoiler, the whole time. And apparently, it is the city, or this is spoiler alert for Nightwing Annual number three, I guess. Uh, this is the city where Nightwing result, re- re- resides. Um, Blood Heaven? I don't know how to pronounce it because I just see it. I don't know how to say it. So apparently... Um, as opposed to Blood, it's Blood. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. So here is the panel I'm showing on the video as uh, Nightwing is disco dancing through some enemies. He's breakdance fighting and uh, schooling these folks on how to say Blood Heaven. Because the U is an umlaut. umlaut. Sounds like an E sound. So there you go. Finally, the mystery has been solved. Next up. Mm. Uh, next up, something that we discussed and did not want to spoil in our discussion earlier about Batman number 93, about the uh, the real identity of the designer. So I'm not going to spill it here, but it was not that big a surprise to me. The surprise did uh, seem to subvert PCN underscore Dirt's expectations, so you know that's fine. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they revealed the real identity of the designer who we all thought was the person uh, pulling the strings. But you know, again, as we said earlier, there is a swerve in the story. Is it someone notable? At least, of course. Wait, is it someone that we, we would expect? Well, I guess since it's not, yeah, I'm not, not going to spoil it anymore. Well, but no, yeah, I know. like. I wasn't as I wasn't as uh, surprised as maybe PCN underscore Dirt was because I figure I I feel like I know who it is but it might not be that case and it's probably oh, but, but, the, the person you would is, think it would be right what what I was gonna say is what we have though is something that uh, both 
uh, PCN underscore Dirt and I agreed upon, which is that the final ending of the book and what the current status quo of the characters are is definitely something uh, novel to any Batman reader. So that's what makes, you know, that's the swerve that makes it interesting. The character behind the swerve, not so much. Hmm. Yeah, and apparently the the permalink probably, as it tends to do, um, uh, spoiled that identity. And if that is the case, yes, I'm very much not surprised. And also, because I think there was another article that we might have even talked about last week about that has something to do with that. Um, but anyway, next up, Lois Lane just killed a DCEU hero for a few minutes. Uh, and this is spoiler for Lois Lane number 11, which I haven't read yet, but I should, if you are a fan of Gotham PD, you should probably check that out. It's pretty good. Um, so yeah, this is the penultimate issue of, uh, that maxi series as they call it. And apparently I, I mean, I'm going to just go ahead and probably spoil it for, you know, I'm not going to do that, but it, probably, it actually kind of already is. Never mind. I was going to spoil it. Um, so she has been Lois has been working with Renee Montoya, who's been to the question, and she kills uh, Renee Montoya for a few minutes, some kind of way. But who ends up coming back later on and says, "I got better." That's a okay. Pun, that's a Monty Python reference for for those not in the know. Anyway, next up. Next up, uh, DC just teased a major LGBTQ retcon from the new 52 is actually still canon and this happened in the opening page, opening story of the Green Lantern 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular story that we discussed earlier uh, that was called that was entitled Dark Things Cannot Stand the Light uh, where the recently reintroduced Earth Prime Alan Scott Green Lantern is also implied to be gay so you know uh, that's just continuing on the uh, path of the new 52 reboot Right, so which I, again was one of the the, the the better stories I thought in that thing. Uh, so yeah, the the way they handled that, I think. Uh, Bendis shares all star artists for Trial of the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, Eisner Award winner and artist, wait, writer and artist. Wait, when did Bendis become an artist? Uh, Brian Michael Bendis shared a poster filled with all of the artists involved. In the Trial of the Legion of Superheroes, a story a lark uh, to take place in Legion of Superheroes 8 and 9. Bendis revealed the poster on Twitter, uh, describing the uncommonly story as a dazzling, spectacular, and amaze balls as it sounds. Uh, all the veteran artists involved include uh, miniseries, included in the miniseries include Mike Allred, Adrian. I'm not going to go through all these lists, but it's a pretty much stacked uh, bunch of names. Uh, including shout out to uh, former guest of the show Sanford Green uh, and and a bunch of others and you can see the tweet right there if you're watching the video so there you go next up alright next up in part 2 of an interview with Dan DiDio Newsarama uh, asked uh, DiDio about um, lots of things you know it's a pretty wide ranging interview and um the deal uh, uh, admits uh, in the interview why he hated uh, Wally West and Dick Grayson, and I actually took a front to this. I read this in real time. It's not as uh, bad as, as what as what the, the it, title says. Uh, it was stupid. So essentially, um, uh, I'm not going to open up the article, but essentially, um, you know, he hated the fact and and and. and 
I'm speaking in very broad terms without having to read his drivel uh, again. Um, that, uh, you know, essentially that he just didn't like the fact that these characters were eventually going to surpass their mentors as um, as they were uh, legacy characters. So, you know, uh, that was a, that was essentially the gist of it. Um, like I said, uh, once I read that, I was like, okay, I'm glad you're former. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, but it also starts... Opinions expressed herein are those of Agent underscore 70. Indeed. Um... Yeah, it's it's it was rightly it was rightly because basically he says like yeah a lot of it was for show because whatever but then also of it some of it's like well these are letters and characters and as Agent Seventy says and it just ends up in really all right dude what ifs next up uh, we are now getting a Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons comic book crossover so uh, it looks like twenty twenty will continue to bring a few delights I haven't seen any. Uh, interspersed with everything going on and going to hell in a handcart. Accurate. Uh, and one of those is an IDW licensed comic book that crosses over with a Dark Horse licensed comic book to bring us a Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons comic book. Um, this is not the only time we've had such a crossover. The Rick and Morty and Dungeons and Dragons comic from IDW and Oni Press was a classic. So this person, whoever wrote this says, um... But this is the first time that Stranger Things have taken part in an official comic book crossover because I believe the last season probably did have some Dungeons and Dragons things from what people say. I have not watched that uh, that um, show. Uh, but anyway, hey, guess what? There is a book. And the creative team will be Josie Jody Hauser and uh, Jim Zeb. Not surprising there. Writing the crossover together. The comic will be drawn by Diego Galindo, colored by... Masiak, uh, with letters from Nate Piekos. I apologize to both of those people if I butchered your names. And the cover is by Diego Galindo. And you can see the cover right there if you're watching the video. And the names of the people who I butchered. Next up... A new Goosebumps limited comic series from current license holder IDW Publishing entitled Goosebumps Secrets of the Swamp will soon be on the horizon from writer Marieki Nietzschekamp, uh, artist Yasmin Flores Montanez, and colorist Rebecca Nalti. The upcoming five-issue series, the fourth Goosebumps limited series published by IDW, um, is going to focus on a 12-year-old Blake, and uh, there's more to it. Please feel free to read our show notes. Yes, you'll forgive us for, for our, um, our our speeding this along because one is a lot of news and two is hot. Um, at least that's on my end. I don't know what you know. I, I assume <laughs> I can only assume uh, on Agent Seventy's uh, part. But yeah, that was that. Next Just up, running out of gas. So yeah, I'm literally running out of gas and fading fast. So just trying to speed this along. Power Rangers news. Um, well, I'll go ahead and say it. Lord Dracon just returned, and they could change everything. And that is uh, spoilers for this week's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 50. Uh, and apparently this might also radically alter the Steam's uh, status quo in some kind of way. I haven't been keeping up, so I don't know. But regardless, hey, that is the thing. Um, and now that I think about it from what I do remember reading, probably is expected. Next up, 
Vault Comics announces Nightfall 2020 horror series, The Autumnal. Um, it involves a mother du- mother-daughter duo embarking on a bizarre journey in The Autumnal, a new Vault Comics horror series from its annual Nightfall imprint, written by New York Times bestselling author Daniel Krauss, with art by Chris Sheehan, colors by Jason Wordy, letters by Jim Campbell, and designed by Tim Daniel. Cool. And check out if you feel it. Uh, next up, there is. I saw this on Twitter, so uh, so I was like, okay, this is this makes sense, and I and I want to check this out whenever uh, I can. But in January, on January 2012, 2021, apparently there will be a graphic novel history of the Black Panther Party uh, with the creative team of David F. Walker, uh, Marcus Kwame Anderson doing the illustrations, and I think that's it. So yeah, um, I saw some buzz about this on Twitter, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. I and uh, I, I'm I'm kind of here for this. I, I like both of those people, and I'm I'm I mean I know a little bit about the Black Panther Party, but still, this is this is something that is uh um to my interest, and this is being uh, released by. Penguin Random House. So again, you have to wait till twenty twenty one for this to come out. But nevertheless, you can pre order it now if you so wish to do so. Next up, River Song and her original quote unquote sweetie are back together in a new Doctor Who audio drama. We're gonna need a bigger TARDIS. After over a decade apart and several Doctors, <coughs> excuse me, bless you. In between. Thank you. Big Finish has announced that David Tennant and Alex Kingston are returning as the 10th Doctor and River Song in a new Doctor Who audio series. Okay. Yep, so uh, Doctor Who fans unite. You still got audio stuff uh, from your faves. Last but not least uh, for tonight, oops, you can read the first chapter of Star Wars The High Republic Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule uh, and, you know, on IGN. So prepare to take your first step into a new era of Star Wars. <laughs> hey, okay. Um, prepare to take your first step into a new era of Star Wars. It's set 200 years before the events of the Skywalker saga. The High Republic finds the Jedi at their peak as they watch over the galaxy during a time of peace. Uh, but it's not long before that peace is disturbed by a devastating incident and the Knights of the Jedi Order must spring into action. And apparently from another what I saw of another article, like yeah, there's a there's a holdo like maneuver that ends up happening in the course of this book that plays a big significant part in this. Spoilers, no spoilers, I guess. But the book itself will be coming out January fifth, twenty twenty one. But again, you can go to the link in the show notes from IGN to read the first chapter of the book. And that, folks, is the end of the news, and we're rounding out the end of the Combo Chronicles, but first, an ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Funko. Fun at first sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop, vi- pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, 
and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. Sorry, had myself on mute for a second. Uh, this is the end of the show, folks, which means it's time to go. Sorry, but you gotta get the heck up out of here. Uh, so we'll be back next week, uh, same bat time, same bat channel, with um, actually our last event, well, presumably the last event type stuff that we're going to be doing. And it will be the original graphic novel of the New Mutants from Marvel... Um, in all its glory. So if you want to read along, feel free. We are also doing the two-issue um, Demon Bear uh, arc of New Mutants, which I believe is 18 and 19 or 19 and 20. I don't... Let me look at this thing real quick before... Uh, yes. Uh, New Mutants... Excuse me. New Mutants 18 through 20 of, I'm assuming, the first volume of New Mutants... And if you have Marvel Unlimited, or if you have those, you know, issues, you can read along with us. Uh, along with, like I said, the original graphic novel of The New Mutants, and I need to go ahead and start getting a, a head on reading that stuff. So yeah, that'll be next week's show. If we have any, you know, pertinent new releases that, uh, that we might want to talk about, we might do that then. But until then, folks, this has been The Combo Chronicles. Uh, my name is Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 you can find on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt that you saw there for a brief moment. Uh, you can find at PC underscore dirt on Twitter. You can find him at PopCultureNet on Twitter. You can find him at PopCultureNetwork.com and there's all his umbrella sites therein. You can also find him on the comic book, uh, excuse me, the Vine Alternative, uh, Byte, B-Y-T-E, under Comic Reviews, no, no vowels. What you won't find him anytime soon is here on Comic Book Chronicles. Um, P- uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. You can find him there at that. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also find him at CB Cron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, you can also find him at uh, TheClickNation.com. You can also find him at Comic Book Resources, where he's over there writing his face off. And, you, you know, as, yeah, as you have seen. Again, folks, uh, you will, you can find this here podcast on CSPN, uh, com- the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us at your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, and the Coastal Leather Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can also find here us here every Thursday night about 9.30-ish, let's say, PM recording live on YouTube at the Click Nation's uh, YouTube page. You can go, you know, come watch the magic as it unfolds or implodes, whichever one happens. <laughs> um, but until next week, folks. Uh, whoa.
what happened? Okay. This is the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. I love it when a plan comes together.